Welcome to Gathering Ministries podcast. We pray you will enjoy God's presence as you listen. God is here. There is healing for every part of you. We are doing a Bible study on the mind. <clears throat> and as we start this Bible study on the mind, we started it a couple of weeks ago. And last week I talked to you about neuropaths. And we talked about how science has confirmed what the Bible has said all along. That as a man thinks, so he is. Okay? So it's important what you allow your mind to think about. But the second thing about this is that he says, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. And there's so much that scripture tells us about our mind. And we talked about being a three-part person and that when we accept Christ, our spirit becomes born again. Our soul which is our mind, our will, and our emotions, is what we use to, to communicate with people here. And it all lives in a body. So your mind is the thoughts that you think. Your will is the choices that you make. And your emotions are how you feel about that. Now, We've talked last week a little bit about um, renewing your mind and what science has now, and I brought the articles last week, I still have them if anyone wants to see them, that when you think about something over and over again, that your brain actually develops what science has called neuropaths, and they become very significant thoughts in your mind and really, the, the way science describes it is the more you think about it, the more it becomes like a rut. And the reason they did this study was to work with people in business, getting them to change the way they think to be better in business. And then they found out that they could use this in uh, people with addictions to get them to think differently as far as all of that goes. But what, I, what is very interesting is, isn't it great that science is confirming what the Bible has already told us? You know, and they think they found something new. And all they had to do was ask a Bible-believing person, and we could have told them a long time ago, right? So, you've heard the saying... If you say something long enough, it becomes the truth. If you tell a lie long enough, it'll become the truth, right? Politicians have really tapped in to this whole thought process. That if they tell you long enough the economy is good, you're just going to think it's good for everybody but you. 
You know, if they tell you long enough that um, they didn't lie, that they just misspoke, that you will think you misheard them, that they're not liars at all. You see, neuropaths really determine our behavior is what science has found out. Scripture already told us, as a man thinks, so he is. So tonight I want to talk to you about the way you think. There's ways to think that are good and there's ways to think that aren't so good. And we're going to look at a couple of examples in the Bible before we go on further so that I can really drive this home to you, this whole idea, because next week we're going to start talking about meditating and how important that is on what you allow to come into your brains. There's also a new computer um, term that says garbage in, garbage out, right? That also is in the Bible, all right? That isn't anything new. But I, you would be shocked how many Christians will put their brain in neutral and just let any old garbage come into their lives. And it will determine how they behave. And you'd be shocked at, you know, I mean, I can sit here and tell you Christians will know all, all kinds of things about some of the most hideous things going on in this world and yet can't tell you three scriptures. There's something wrong with that. Their neuropaths need transformed, right? But tonight we're going to talk about living right side up or living upside down. Now, when you live right side up, you think the thoughts you're supposed to think. You make choices based on those thoughts, and that dictates how you feel. The reason so many people are depressed is because they flip upside down, and they allow their emotions to reign first, and their emotions make their choices for them, and then that's what they think. And they'll say, I'm so depressed, my life is so miserable. And when you really start talking to these people, you find out they're just living upside down. And what they're doing is they're making choices based on their emotions instead of based on the word of God. So we're going to get into that next week. But today, I want you to look at a couple of different things with me. We're going to look at the 12 spies. Many of you know this story. We're going to go through it a little bit carefully here so that we can see exactly what really happened. And that is in Numbers chapter 13. Numbers chapter 13. Verse 1, the Lord said to Moses, send some man, men to explore the land of Canaan. Now, here's the promise, which I am giving to the Israelites. Okay? God's already told them he's giving them to them. All right? There's the promise. But how many of you have a promise from God that you have forgotten or you have set aside and have allowed circumstances to determine your thought process instead of the promise of God? 
Huh? Yeah. So we can't be too hard on these spies because we've all done it ourselves, right? Okay, some one from each tribe. So the Lord commanded Moses, at the Lord's command, Moses sent them out from the desert. All of them were leaders of the Israelites. Here's their names. You can go through that. The next 15, uh, 14 verses are all their names. And there's some, these are the names of the men Moses sent to explore the land. I'm at verse 16. Okay? Moses sent them to explore. He said, go through the Negev and on into the hill country. See what the land is like? Okay, we're going to check out the land, okay? Whether the people who live there are strong or weak, that's the second thing, few or many. What kind of land do they live in? Is it good or bad? What kind of towns do they live in? Are they unwalled or fortified? How is the soil? Is it fertile or poor? Are there trees in it or not? Do your best to bring back some of the fruit from the land. It was the season for the first ripe grapes. Okay, so they're supposed to go out and have a report on the land, okay? But here's the interesting thing. Did the report matter? God already gave them promise. That's what you're getting, you know? Go there. If there's absolutely nothing there, you're still getting it. If it's the most beautiful place in the world, you're still getting it. But God's promises always stand for sure. But yet, God sent them because he wanted them to see how wonderful he is to his people. Listen, God gives you promises, and he keeps his word, and he keeps his word because he is a good, good God. And he wants every one of us in this room to know that his promise will stand, he will keep his word, and he has good for every one of us. Amen? Yeah. So, here they are. They went up and explored it. Okay, they went through the Negev, came to Hebron, went on through, and all of a sudden, the descendants of Anak lived. Whoa. Okay, we're going to stop there for a minute. And the descendants of Anak were giants. Okay, now I'm going to do a little rabbit trail here because I want to show you something very interesting, okay? Okay. And when you read that, you're going to see that the descendants of Anak lived there. Now, I want to talk to you a moment. Verses 31 to 33, when we get ahead there, you're going to see um, Nephilim, uh, the descendants of Anak, come from Nephilim. Okay? Now, that means, that word means sons of Anak. Okay? Sons of giants. Okay, now... You can write these verses down. You can look them up if you want, but I'm going to connect some dots here for you, okay? 
in Joshua 11:21, the Anakin tribe, okay, was driven into Gath. And that's why in 1 Samuel 17:4, Goliath is called Goliath from Gath. Okay? Because he was a giant from the sons of Anak, and they were driven into Gath. Now, here's the interesting thing. We all know about uh, David, right? And David killed Goliath. All right. I do want you to take a moment to go to 2 Samuel 21. 2 Samuel 21. We're going to look at something very interesting. Okay? This is just for all of you who would like to know this. I'll wake the rest of you up when I'm done. (laughs) 2 Samuel 21. And I want to start with uh, verse 15. Okay. Well, verse 16, Ishbi Benob, one of the descendants of Rapha. Okay? He was killed. There's number one. Okay? This is all from um, the giants from um, Anak. Okay? I not going into it that deep. I just want you to see this. If you go to verse 18, there was another battle, and this time they killed Saph, one of the descendants again. Okay? And this Rappa was um, one of the descendants of Anak. These are all giants that they killed, okay? So there's number two. Are you with me? Now we go down to verse 19, Goliath the Gittite. He was the next one killed. There's number three. Okay? And then if you go down to verse 20, they don't give this man a name. He just says it was a huge man with six fingers on each hand and six toes on each hand, and he was also a descendant. Okay? Verse 22, these four were descendants of Rapha in Gath. They were all giants, okay? Now you know why David picked up five stones. He wasn't sure if Goliath's other kinsmen were going to fight at that battle or not. It wasn't that he thought he was going to miss It wasn't that he thought that God was not going to make sure his stone hit Goliath. He just wanted to be prepared in case the other four showed up. How do you like that? Pretty cool, huh? Right. So, now you know why he picked up five stones. There it is in Scripture. Okay, now we'll go back to Numbers 13. Okay, Numbers 13. So, they have giants in the land. Giants in the land, okay? So, verse 26. 
They come back to Moses and Aaron. They reported to them in the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. God's promise was kept. Isn't that a beautiful land? They're saying, isn't this land beautiful? But, oh God, I know what your promise is, but. As if God is surprised by absolutely anything that happens in our life. We have too many buts in our life. We do. I know, but I can't tell you how many times I've said that and how many times I've heard it. Oh, I know, but. Look, you've got to decide if God keeps his promises or not. And if he keeps his promises, we don't have any buts. But let's keep going. But let's keep going, huh? The people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live there, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites live in the hill country, the Canaanites along the sea and along the Jordan. Then Caleb silenced the people. How many Calebs do we have in the room tonight? How many Calebs? We should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. Caleb, he stood up. He said, no, don't go there. We're going to stand on the promise of God. Now, here's why I want you to see this. Caleb's mind had the promise of God as its whole thought process. The other, Joshua was with Caleb. The other ten had fear as their whole thought process. That was an emotion. They were living upside down. They were allowing their emotions to make their choice. Caleb and Joshua were allowing the promise of God to make their choice. We have people who are living upside down, and we have two people who are saying, absolutely not. And all of us are going to be in situations where we have to decide if we are going to live right side up or upside down. So, but the man who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. How can you spread a bad report? They just gave Moses the most wonderful report about the land that there was. 
and tell all the other people how horrible it was and how weak they are. Okay? The land we explore devours those living in it. What? If you tell a lie long enough, it becomes the truth. Wait a minute. They didn't say anything at all about seeing the, anybody devouring the people living there. That was never brought up. All of a sudden, it becomes a truth to them. All the people we saw there are of great size. We, right. We don't know. I mean, they saw giants there. Was that the only people there? No, because they had just said the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites were all up there. The Canaanites, they were all there. wasn't just the giants, but all the people we saw were giants. Look at how they changed the story based on the emotion of fear. The whole story changed. They were living upside down. And here's the biggest thing. We seemed like grasshoppers. How? In our own eyes. And we looked the same to them. Look, God said, I'm giving you this. Well, you know what happens when you do that? When you don't believe the promise of God? You don't get the promise of God. Let me say that again. When you don't believe the promise of God, you don't get the promise of God. None of them got there, just Joshua and Caleb. We all need to decide if we are going to live right side up or upside down. Okay? You're with me, right? All right, let's go to Judges chapter 6. And this is somebody living right side up. But what we're going to see is in this living right side up, he didn't start right side up, but he allowed the truth of God's word to transform his mind. And the truth of God's word allowed him to see the promise of God. And this is a guy named Gideon, okay? Verse 1, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. For seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Because the power of the Midianites was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in the mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, Amalekites, and other eastern people invaded the country. They camped on the land, ruined their crops all the way to Gaza, and did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep, nor cattle, nor donkeys. Okay, let's start. Let me just give you a little bit of insight. The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and for seven years he gave them over to the Midianites. Look. That's where they had their problem to begin with. Okay? They came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count them on camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. Midian was so impoverished, the Israelites 
the Israelites, that they cried out to the Lord for help. Oh, don't you know those crisis Christians? Yeah, we know a lot of them, right? Yeah, I'm going to do what I want to do until I can't do what I want to do anymore, right? And then I'm going to cry out for help. But God's merciful, aren't we? We're so thankful he's merciful and gracious. Yes. When the Israelites cried out, he sent them a prophet. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I rescued you from the hand of the Egyptians. I delivered you from the hands of the oppressors. I drove them out before you, and I gave you their land. I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship the gods of the Amorites who live in the land. But you have not listened to me. That is a word for the United States of America and for the Christians living in our country. Do not worship the gods that the evil in this country is trying to get you to worship. We do not worship anyone other than the Lord God Jehovah. Okay? I know it's very easy to slip into that. Very, very easy. And we have to be very careful that we do not allow... How's James... or? First John, I think, says it. Is it James or First John? It's First John. The pride and lust and flesh. And you know what? It seeps into our lives. And if we do not, are not careful, those thoughts, like we talked about last week, become desires, and the desires lead to sin. That's James, but the talking about the types of sin is in 1 John. So I want you all to understand, we don't worship anybody except God. Okay? Nobody. So, I know, i tell you this story. We had a, my father was in a, a church, it had been a, a He'd been there for a little while, and we had a moving of God and a revival that just swept the community. And so they needed to build a bigger church. And uh, so they started building this bigger church, and uh, one of the main givers of the church decided that it should be done his way. And uh, my father said, well, I, you know, you bring your ideas to the board meeting. He was on the uh, church board. And he said, you present them, and if you get a majority vote, that's how we'll do it. And he said, but you don't understand how much money I'm giving to this church. And my father said, it doesn't matter how much money you're giving to this church. It really doesn't matter. And he said, well, you do understand you wouldn't get paid. And he said, sir, let me explain something to you. 
I came to this church because God told me to come. I work for God. He takes care of every paycheck I'll ever have, and it won't have anything to do with you. He got mad and left the church. Do you know that church just thrived? Because he had his... But you see, he thought for sure that my father was going to put his money ahead of what God called him to do. Look, if your church needs money, tell them, go talk to God. God has all kinds of resources. But don't let it get caught up in where they need it so much that becomes their focus. Because then their mind develops a neuropath of need, 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 lack, lack, lack. You know what? I've told you this many times, and I'll stand here and say it again. This is God's ministry, and when he's done supplying for it, that means we're done. Amen? But you see, we got to be careful to not get other gods involved in what we're doing. Okay? And one of those other gods can be our own pride, and that's where the but, but comes in. Where we think we know more, A, and B, for some reason, God just is aware of my situation. Oh, I know God said that, but he really doesn't know what's going on with me. Oh, yes, he does. Sure he does. So, you have not listened to me. So an angel came and he visits Gideon, okay? And uh, verse 12, the angel Lord appeared to Gideon and he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. How do you like that? How do you like that? The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Okay? Gideon says, pardon me, <laughs> but if the Lord's with us, why is all this happening? Where are all his wonders our ancestors told us about? Did the Lord not bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us. The Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel. Am I not sending you? Oh, boy. You're a mighty warrior, Gideon. Go, save the country. Now, don't be surprised if God asks just one of you in this room to save the United States. And you're going to say, what are you talking about? Uh-uh, he, he uses one man here to save Israel. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. But here's what Gideon says. Pardon me. <laughs> Pardon me. How can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest, and I'm the least in my family. Okay? I'm the least of the least. Line up the least here, and then pick the least one out of that, and that's me. That's what Gideon thinks of himself. God has called him a mighty warrior. 
And Gideon is saying, I'm absolutely nothing. God has to transform his mind. Okay? You see, because in 2 Corinthians 9.8, it says God will give you all grace in all situations, at all times, to give you everything that you need to do anything he asks you to do. So nobody in this room has an excuse for saying no. And I tried it. I truly tried to say no. I had two people come and say, will you teach a Bible study? I said, absolutely not. I'll find you one. Within a few hours, Cindy comes in. She says, you need to start a Bible study. I said, were you talking to these two? She said, no. I'm like, okay, this is very weird. I'll find you all a Bible study. And I'm like, where am I going to find a Bible study? I go to work the next day, and a girl comes in. She's crying. She says, I need to talk to Georgia. She sits down. First thing out of her mouth is, she said, I need a Bible study. I said, I'm not getting away from this. I said, I don't know how to teach a Bible study. I haven't gone to seminary. I haven't, you know, been studying this. I, I don't know how to teach a Bible study. God said, I'm not asking you to do it. I'm asking you to let me do it through you. That's where we are. Please understand that. All of us are there. God may be asking you to do something and you keep saying no. You're not getting away from him. I'm just telling you now, you're not getting away from him. He will track you down. But he'll give you what you need to do it. And I can tell you, the board was listening to the um, podcast just to make sure that um, it sounded good. And I can honestly tell you, I sat there, I was shocked. Because on the podcast, I said things I never remembered saying. I said, I didn't say that. And they said, yes, you did. <laughs> That's God. But that's for every one of us. That's for every one of us. So, Gideon, he's the least of the least. And he said, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites leaving none alive. There is Gideon's promise. Verse 16, Gideon, you're going to do this. I'll be with you. There, No one's going to be left. So then Gideon goes through this little thing with the Lord, and he says, you know, let me prepare a meal for you. I need to do this. Let me worship you. And uh, that is where we get Jehovah Shalom in that whole Thought, uh, process verses 20 through 24. And then the Lord said to him, Peace, do not be afraid, you are not going to die. Verse 24, Gideon built an altar there and called it, The Lord is peace. Jehovah Shalom. Okay? 
So he builds an altar, and he does the sacrifice. And um, so then here we go, okay? Verses 28 through 32, it's very interesting. He went into town. When people got there, Baal's altar was demolished. The Asher pole was cut down. They asked each other, who did this? Who messed up our false gods? Hello, who did this? Really? Your false gods are destroyed and you're upset because somebody did that? Yeah. And uh, Gideon, the son of Josiah, did this, or Joash. And he said, bring your son, he must die. They're going to kill Gideon for this, okay? But God had already told Gideon, you're going to live. Gideon had a promise. Gideon had a promise. And his father in his wisdom said, you know what? If Baal is real, he'll take care of himself. Why are you trying to defend your God? If he's real, he'll take care of himself. Wise man, huh? Yeah. So because Gideon broke down Baal's altar, they went ahead and let Baal contend with him. All right? So now we have this thing. Now Gideon says, you know what, God? If you're going to save Israel by my hand, I'm going to put out a fleece. Remember that? This is the saying, put out the fleece. This is how we know if God's going to do it on. And if there's dew on the fleece and the ground's dry, I'll know it's you. Well, sure enough, he put out the fleece. There was dew on the fleece and the ground was dry. Okay? So Gideon's like, okay, that was God. No. Gideon goes, well, just to be sure, I'm going to put it out again. And I want the fleece dry and the ground wet. Okay, God's like, all right, fine. You're going to do this. You know, this is fine. This is what we're going to do. And sure enough, it was. Okay? The fleece was dry and the ground was covered with dew. Now, here is an amazing thing, okay? Gideon says in verse chapter 7, Okay, Gideon and his men camped along the spring. The camp of Midian was north of them. The Lord said to Gideon, you have too many men. I cannot deliver Midian into their hands, or Israel would boast my own strength saved me. Look, if God's asking you to do something with nothing, it's because he wants you to know he did it. Okay? And all of us are saying, waiting until this happens. Well, I'm going to wait until my house is paid. And I'm going to wait until my car is paid. And I'm going to wait until my kids are grown up. And I'm going to wait until, and I'm going to wait until. And God is saying, now, this has nothing to do with you. And if you have all your ducks in a row, and you think your life is perfect, you're going to take the credit for what I want to do through you. Knock it off, basically. <laughs> so he said there are too many. Again, so he told him, anybody that's afraid, go home. 22,000 men were left. There's still too many. Take them down to the water. 
If they lap like a dog, send them home. So off they go again, okay? Well, as it turns out, by the time Gideon is done doing this, he has 300 people, okay? So, verse 7, 300 people, let all the others go home. Gideon sent all of the Israelites home but kept the 300, okay? Now, during the night, here's where God renews his mind, okay? Are you ready? During the night, okay, he says to Gideon, verse 9, go down to the camp because I'm going to give them into your hands. Okay, listen to what they are saying. Afterward, you will be encouraged to attack the camp. Sometimes God will give you something just so you know. Just so you know God is taking care of you. And he says to Gideon, go down and just listen to what they're saying. The Midianites, Amalekites, and all the other eastern people had settled in the valley thick as locusts. Their camels could not be counted than the sand on the seashore. Gideon arrived just as a man was telling a friend his dream. Isn't God's timing great? I had a dream. A round loaf of barley bread came tumbling into the Midianite camp. It struck the tent with such force the tent overturned and collapsed. This can be nothing other than the sword of Gideon, son of Joash, the Israelite. God has given the Midianites and the whole camp into his hands. How do you like that? Okay? When Gideon heard the dream and his interpretation, he bowed down and worshipped. He returned to the camp of Israel and he called out, Get up! Oh boy, he changed his attitude in a hurry, huh? God, I need this fleece. God, I need this fleece. God, wait a minute. God, wait a minute. God, wait a minute. God transforms his mind. God renews his mind. He runs back to the camp and he says, get up. Everybody, get up. Yeah. Yes. The Lord has given the Midianite camp into your hands, dividing the 300 into three companies. He placed the trumpets and empty jars in the hands of all of them with torches inside. Watch me. He told them, follow my lead. When I get exactly to the edge of the camp, do exactly what I do. When I and all those who are with me blow the trumpets, then from all around the camp blow yours and shout, for the Lord and for Gideon. Woo! Yeah. Let's all shout for the Lord and then say your own name. You ready? For the Lord and for Georgia. Yeah. There you have it. Gideon and the hundred men reached the edge of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch, just after they had changed the guard. They blew their trumpet and broke the jars that were in their hands. The three companies blew their trumpet and smashed the jars, grasping the torches in their left hands and holding in their right hands the trumpets they were to blow. They shouted, a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. While each man held his position around the camp, all the Midianites ran, crying out as they fled. When the 300 trumpets sounded, the Lord caused the men throughout the camp 
to turn on each other with their swords. How do you like that? Right. Yes. The result was they were all killed. You see, God gave a promise. And Gideon, who was the least of the least, allowed God to transform his mind. And he had the promise of God so embedded in his mind that he was able to receive his promise. You see, I want you all to understand something. We're all in here. We're all praying for different things. I know we are. Many of us are praying as prayer partners. You've asked for prayer requests. I want you all to know this is not just something that happened a long time ago. This is for the here and now. God is still doing great things. His power has never changed. Yes, God is able to transform your life. How does he do that? Mind. As a man thinks, so he is. God is still doing great things. Amen? Amen. Thank you for listening. Be sure to tune into other broadcasts at Gathering Ministries.